Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'll be joined by my co host, Ben Polanski. Evan is off this week as we talk about a brand new film. I did promise you Nightwing, and we will deliver, but DC and Warner Brothers has something brand new in theaters right now. I want to shout out our Season 3 sponsor, TNK Comics and Collectibles. You can follow on Instagram for claim sales at the Nando Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, or on shortbox.com slash TNK Comics. Now, we are headed to the theater for the brand new film, the sequel to Shazam. This is a spoiler review for Zachary Levi's Fury of the Gods. Okay, Ben just got home from the theater. I just finished doing really important stuff like eating chicken nuggets and watching The Roast of Bruce Willis. That's not recent, is it? That seems kind of tasteless. Yeah, it would be really bad to do it now. <laughs> um, actually, Demi Moore came out as a surprise guest, and she's... Oh, sorry, spoiler, guys. <laughs> In case and you're just she, now getting to this, like you. And she... Uh, no, I, I'd seen it before. I'm seeing Nikki Glaser this weekend, and so I, I wanted to uh, revisit some of the first things I saw from her. But uh, Demi Moore had some joke like, are you surprised to see me? She's like, I mean, we went through all this yesterday, but I'm sure you've forgotten. And I was like, ooh, that's... <laughs> You're going to make a forgetful joke, and then five years later, he's going to have fucking dementia or something. Like, that's bad. But otherwise, it aged pretty well. It'll happen to all of us, one way or another. Well, Ev's not here because he doesn't have a theater in his town. (laughs) I I went to the theater in his town. So did I. Twice. But we're going to talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods 2023, directed by David F. Sandberg, written by Henry Gaydon and Chris Morgan. Starring a shitload of motherfuckers, I'm sorry, Zachary Levi and Asher Angel, both as Billy Batson, Jack Dylan Grazer, who was great in this yep. as Fred, Freddie Freeman, Rachel Zegler, who publicly said uh, she took this role because she needed a job. <laughs> it probably paid well. I think a little joke, but still. Adam Brody, Ross Butler, DJ Katrana, Grace Caroline Curry, who now plays both Mary and Super Mary, which is cool. In the first one, was it two different people? Yeah. She's the only one who's the same actor as her uh, normal and superhero counterpart out of the whole gang. And I think that's because at this point, I mean, she's always been the oldest one, but at this point she's, you know, not Zachary Levi and old enough to play an adult. So is the implication that the kid who plays young Billy Batson in a few years... He's going to look like Zachary Levi. Well, I mean, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's putting you at like your peak physical form, uh-huh. right? And so what it's saying is that young women are where it's at. No, no. But, <laughs> and like Silver Fox Zachary Levi, who had to dye his hair for this role to come back because it took so long <laughs> between the first one and the second one is peak physical Billy. But yeah, if he wasn't famous, I could see them doing the same thing yeah. with Asher Angel. Like, yeah, dude, he, the dude looks like he's fucking 25 now. <laughs> Megan Good or Megan Good, I don't know, it's spelled different. Lucy Lou, 
Oh, God damn it. Do you know the actor who plays the wizard? Jamon Hansu. Thank you. Uh, Helen Mirren. Dame Helen Mirren. My bad. Doesn't say that on IMDb. Faith Herman as Darla. I fucking love Darla. Ian Chen as Eugene. Jovan Armand as Pedro. Marta Milans as Rosa, who I'm kind of crushing on Rosa in this movie. Like, yeah. Cooper Andros as Victor. And I think that's about all the basic cast. Like, it's a huge ensemble. And then there's two versions of them all. So it, there's a lot of motherfuckers in this movie. Yeah. And three villains. Yeah. This movie is not restrained. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of a less is more kind of film, I've noticed. Art house cinema. <laughs> yeah, low budget. You can really tell. I want to get your initial thoughts having not seen the first one. Or did you watch it on HBO this week? No, I thought about it, but I didn't. I was like, that's just, this movie needs to stand on its own. Yeah, initial thoughts walking out of the theater tonight. Walking out of the theater, I thought, well, that was fun. Uh, it was too long. I was really like, man, I just want some more Peacemaker. That's really what I left the theater <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Skipping to the post credits. Yeah. So the movie's barely over two hours, and you're like, that's, that's too much of this. Well, it's, it's not because it's so long. It's because it's so long, and I felt like it took forever to kind of get to the point. Mm. And especially for a movie that's this, a sequel to another one, like that's what the first movie was for. I felt like they were three or four different, like, oh, they got our guy. Now we got their guy. Now we got their guy. Like, yeah. it just took forever to get to even the point. We should have got to the demons invading Philadelphia much sooner. Mm. Or some version of that to, like, give us a taste of what's to be afraid of. Yeah, yeah. Well, my first thought, also, I did have a lot of fun for the record, but, but as I sat down in the theater. You said, what was your first thought as you left the theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm changing it for mine because I'm, because I'm reading my note and I'm like, oh, that's different. When I first sat down, I thought, they're so fucking old. And you don't have this because you didn't see the first one. But like, I rewatched the first one the night before. Uh -huh. And they're children, you know. Mary's a senior. She's headed off to college soon. But the rest of them are children. And in particular, our protagonist, Billy, has soft boyish facial features and now he has like that jawbone cheekbone shit going on that like his facial structure is not what it was in the first movie when they show a picture of him from yeah. the first movie i was yeah. like oh did they recast him yeah that's weird to <laughs> yeah yes but that's strange wow the first movie was really well cast of actual teenagers uh -huh. and then the second movie feels a little bit like in the 90s and 2000s when they just cast a 23 year old to play a high schooler well, and having not seen it, isn't that some of the charm of the first one, that it was actual young people? Yes. To me, the first one really shocked me because it had a little bit of sort of dead... Intense violence, just yes. like the most yeah, yeah. gore. Well, I was going to mention a gory movie as comparison. I was going to say it's sort of a, a meta superhero movie like Deadpool was, mm -hmm. but with Harry Potter vibes. Like, we're seeing this through the lens of kids. It's not just kids are there, but it's... Through the eyes of the kids, there's magic and otherworldly stuff going on, and it just felt like really fresh. I didn't really know what a movie to just compare it to. Of like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Is like, well, that's uh -huh. that's a neat blend of things. Deadpool and Harry Potter mixed together. Yeah, and there was something else at the time, but it's been a few years. I can't remember. But I just was feeling like, wow, they mixed some things that I've never really seen 
all at once. Mm. This movie at times, and so I guess you'll have to tell me if the first one had this, especially like the, um, the Freddie Freeman and the Anne stuff felt like a CW teen drama kind of, or like not a drama, but like a teen comedy where like the little awkwardness of the interactions and like the, oh, she likes me, all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, is this movie for 14 year olds? Like, is that the... I would say the first movie was all about Billy being a loner. You know, when we meet him, he's run away from his foster parents again. He gets put in this group home. He's forced to meet and live with and get to know all of these new siblings and this new family. And so there's a lot of stuff at school and those bully kids and stuff like that. And, you know, Freddie's mad awkward like that, but he's... Like, there's no romantic elements, really, that I could think of in that first movie. Let me ask it another way. So, obviously, the first film is about teens, but did it feel like a movie specifically for teens? I don't know. I'm fucking, I'm in my late 30s now. Like, I don't Did you feel like when you were watching it where you're like, this isn't for me? I guess I would say, like, usually if someone says it's, like, fun for the whole family, it's like, I'm out, you know. (laughs) But I watched it thinking like i hate families i I just watched well that usually means like oh shucks gosh darn you know like people like yeah no one talks like that you son of a bitch you know i just get i I don't like that it fucks me up so i genuinely felt when i watched that movie the first time opening night next to a dude dressed as shazam sitting next to me (laughs) um i walked out there thinking like wow that was fucking great it kind of almost feels like i guess a like an older, like a Spielberg type movie that's like a a movie that all ages can genuinely appreciate without being dumbed down necessarily. Is that the first one or is that this one? The first one, yeah. Okay. This movie was fun, but like if someone, or maybe they did, if someone went dressed as Shazam to this one, I'd be like, I'm sorry. I put a lot of work. <laughs> this movie, I feel like, didn't reward your enthusiasm. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, let's get into the story. It opens in a museum. Not unlike Killmonger in Black Panther, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu steal Savannah's broken staff, which was from the climax of the first movie. Luckily, they showed you at one point in a flashback. It restores their powers, which are the power of chaos and the power of elements. There's this scene where like, Lucy Liu whispers in some dude's ear, and then they all go around attacking each other and whispering in each other's ear until they're all under her control and they're fighting, and then Helen Mirren uses the power of elements and turns them all to stone. And we kind of get a glimpse of what they can do. Is one of those type of scenes of like, all right, opening, these are the bad guys, this is what they're after, not wasting any time. And that's a cool threat, particularly her power of like making them go nuts. I thought that was going to factor into the movie way more. Of yeah. like, that's what the threat, and it kind of felt a little pandemic-y too, like this thing that spreads between people, and yeah. oh, it just keeps, and, but like, they didn't. It was contained in a room. Yeah, I thought it was going to be an outbreak situation too, but they locked down the doors and she's like, all right, cool. Now let's kill them. I'm only going to use this power like two or three more times, not for that cool thing. I'm going to make the guy from Drew Carey jump off the roof. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to use it on a 15-year-old later. Yeah. You better watch out. (laughs) Shazam is in therapy. We get a recap of the first movie in a very clever way. They fit a lot of story into him just going, I mean, I guess this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. I mean, that was fucking crazy. And the therapist is just like, Jesus Christ, buddy, I'm not prepared for this. They put the pediatrician joke in the trailer, by the way. This movie had a little too much of that. 
thankfully it's been a while since I've seen the trailer. So yeah. it was, wasn't quite in my mind, but like, just like, I don't want to say ruin some of the jokes, but just too many of them. They would have got a chuckle for me in the theater. And like that joke did nothing for me in the theater specifically because of that. I think the humor was better in the first movie, if I'm honest. Mm. When I saw it the first time, I didn't take any notes. I didn't think anything about the podcast. I was just watching it, enjoying myself. on Wearing your Shazam suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was wearing my Shazam t-shirt. You guys, you can't see it. He's wearing it now. It's got the, the sewn-in <laughs> muscles and everything. Hey, I'm wearing my uh, 90s X-Men t-shirt today. But uh, when I went back Sunday night, I caught the latest showing. There was nobody there. Literally, there was one couple up in the back, and I was down in the front. This so is I, like 11.30, midnight? Uh, 10.30 on Sunday night on a bomb weekend. you know. So I was like, cool, I'll get, get the place to myself, and I can take my notes. And as I'm taking my notes... Uh, become a little more aware of the flaws because the first time I was just like, oh man, that was really fun. Like, oh, I don't know what all these people are complaining about, you yeah. know. But like in this first scene with Zachary Levi, you know, we get the pediatrician joke, and he's like, well, I know, I was referred by Billy Batson. Anyway, all this stuff happened to me, and he he explains his origin story, which is the exact same as Billy Batson's, who this guy also treats apparently. So I'm like, well. what? You just gave this whole guy, like, here's the name, compare the story, and now there should be a post credit scene of that guy going, wait a second. Oh. <laughs> Kaiser Sose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Darla makes a diorama of unicorns killing Genghis Khan. I did not appreciate the... Uh, Foreshadowing. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't see it until you just pointed it out right now. Freddy's police scanner leads the gang all or nothing, they don't do solo jobs, <laughs> to a suspension bridge collapse, and there's some great stuff here. We're seeing the whole team show off their powers, which we didn't get to the very, very end of the first movie. So we're seeing everybody in action. There's a great gag of this, <laughs> like as it happens, the ladies in her car listening to, I need a hero. And, um, and I actually love that song, and I was thinking about it the other day. There's this on 90s VHS tapes, maybe for Paramount or something, that song plays advertising other VHS tapes, like Top Gun and some nice. other ones. And so that song has a special place in my heart, like that woman. I understand her connection to it. Yeah, yeah. And if I, anyone out there can find it and maybe send it to me, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I will also say that she and one other extra later in the movie actually got some some kind of good uninterrupted screen time to like, just be scared and let you feel the tension. And I actually like was invested in these extras not dying. Yeah, to the point I was like, oh, she must have been in the first one. No. Oh, this is that lady <laughs> from the first one. Okay. That's the school nurse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that Darla saves kittens before people and steals one. Um, Freddie calls Billy his sidekick to some girls that he rescued. And... Captain Every Power Jr. Yes. And what... What gets me here is the the joke is that Zachary Levi overhears him at a great distance, which was the best gag in the first movie of Dr. Wow. Savannah making his fucking speech. I've referenced it on this show before, you know, from two blocks away as they're floating in the sky. And he's like, what? Are you talking to me? You know? And so then in this one, he has the fucking, you know, 100-foot 
whisper hearing abilities. I don't fucking know. But I was like, hey, you can't play both of those for laughs. Well, and also that joke, this the Captain Every Power, and I'm sure is that maybe that's a re- recurring joke from the first one. The first one, the running joke that continues in this one is because the legal rights to Captain Marvel lie with Marvel. So through the entire movie, Freddy's just naming him new shit all the time, and they never settle on a name, ever. But that name and like a lot of the names they use are the kind of jokes that are not funny to me. I mean, I get it. I get what the, the point of the joke is, but they just make me like kind of groan every time I hear it. I'm like, again, there was like, this would be like great on a Nickelodeon show or <laughs> Well, it sort of Disney plays channel. like dumb kids making fun of each other, not like joke writers punching up a script. It, yes, you know. but it's like, I just imagine some family going like, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it, Captain Every Power, I like that. And this is also a movie where, and this is the moment the movie turned especially awesome for me, someone gets like, Stabbed in the back of the head by a manticore scorpion tail. These exist in the same movie. Yeah, yeah. A guy gets like knocked off a building and he splats. That exists yes. in this same movie where they're making Disney Channel jokes. Yeah. There's a weird mismatch there. It's true. It's true. So in the end of this, the people are saved, but the bridge collapses. And the TV news calls the Shazam family, which uh, we're, I believe, calling the Shazamily, I think they said. Um, the Philadelphia... That's, that's actually really good. I would remember that if that was in the movie. I okay, maybe I just shorthanded it, but I'm pretty sure that was in the movie. They nicknamed them on the news the Philadelphia Fiascos. And this is a joke that's repeated through the whole movie. Um, Another joke that I don't think is funny. It's, it, it's more amusing sometimes than others. I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. So there's a couple gags where it's good, and then there's a couple where... It's like, all right, guys, you know. Like, even what you were saying about Captain Every Power, right? When Freddy first shows up and he grabs two cars from the back bumpers, which having followed like what could go wrong and instant regret on Reddit, I uh, have seen those type of plastic-ass modern car bumpers just fold into pieces. So he should have been grabbing from underneath on the chassis. Uh, but anyway, he's grabbing two cars and he's like, Arr! I'm just kidding, guys. This is really easy. Little stuff like that in the same breath as he's like, I'm just kidding, it's really easy. I'm Captain Every Power, blah, 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 you know, is working for me. That but was then, funny, yes. But then some of it is not working. Some of it is the, the repetition, because the repetition to me makes me feel like you're trying to make me think it's funnier than it is. You know what? I'll tell you the problem with the news joke. The fiasco's joke is essentially the same joke as... Captain Every Power and Captain Sparkle Fingers and all the fucking things. They're the same thing because each one is another made-up version of how the team sucks versus like each one of these other jokes are all names that make a superhero sound really dumb. So they're, yeah. they're both the same joke and they're both repeating the whole time. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't catch... So Hespira, I think, is Helen Mirren's character... Uh-huh. They barely say it in the beginning, so I'm just writing uh, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu the whole time <laughs> in, in my notes. Okay, Calypso is Lucy Liu's name? Yeah. Not to, like, dox anyone, but that's where my wife fucking works. I would remember if they said Calypso more than twice. Yeah, like, they said it, and they, they, it seems like they waited a long time before saying it. Yeah, so um, I'm going to try. 
Hespera and Calypso return home with the staff that they've stolen, and we see the wizard, who in this movie, for some reason, is never referred to as Shazam, versus when he bestows his powers to the kid, he holds the staff, put your hand on my staff and say my name. And he looks at him like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> He's like, say it! Right? And that's how he got his powers. So it's very strange. They just call him the wizard this whole time. And he's still alive. We watched him turn to ash and blow away in the first one. It was horrific. Scared the kid. And uh, here he is, alive. And they torture him until he restores the staff. You know, she uses the power of elements and fucking mangling them all up against the bars of the prison. When that scene is where... I feel like the two actors working the hardest in this movie are Jamon Hansu and Helen Mirren. Mm. Like, they both understood what kind of performance to give, and they like worked at it. They, they were trying very hard. Him and, like, with his arms through the prison bars and going like... I will say that... Uh, maybe the kid. Maybe Freddie Freeman. He was really good, too. Yeah. Jack did a great job in this movie because he was... 100% comic relief in the first one. And he actually had a few scenes where he was really tested this time. But um, he scrapes off a bit with his fingernails, which is, whoop, um, as they're pulling the staff away now that it's mended. It restores their powers, which I believe I, I mentioned. And um, then we cut to school. Freddie meets a very charming new girl named Anne. Now, having not really looked at the promo stuff in a while, I didn't realize that she's on the poster with the villains in her full fucking outfit. Uh, Why I... <laughs> Warner Brothers does not give a fuck anymore, no. and I will get... And it wouldn't really matter. I mean, I, I felt like that's I knew it right away. I did not. I, I was... I, I was like, oh, wow, he finally found someone who gives a fuck about him and doesn't look at him like a crippled orphan. That's There's cool. just so many people in this movie. Like, they couldn't have also a love interest who just is his love interest. I mean, maybe if it was like if they played it differently, but there's just, there's too many. And so it immediately felt like, oh, okay, she's maybe one of the villains, but is she like running away from them because she doesn't want anything of what they're doing or yeah. is this part of their plan? Or that was the only thing that was kind of in the air about it. Yeah. And where am I at? Where am I at? Um, The bullies from the first movie, they come back and they're fucking with him again until a teacher, played by Diedrich Bader, intervenes. Batman in the Harley Quinn show. Exactly. I was like, I whispered to Angela, like, it's Batman. Um, The meet cute resumes once the bullies are off and um, they really hit it off. And he brags about the day he met superheroes in the lunchroom, and she's very intrigued. You know, she's asking him a lot of questions, and and like, well, you aren't going to walk me to class? <laughs> okay, you know. And um, I guess you know, I'm a self-hating loser, loner guy, and I relate and to this. How? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, good, good, good for him. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Shazam has a fancy dinner in Paris with Wonder Woman. We see the Eiffel Tower there. It's a very expensive-looking restaurant. They never show her face, and I love it because they're mocking themselves. I don't know if you're aware. With, like, the the reshoots and the things coming in later? and No. 
of the first movie. The f- the last shot of the first movie is Superman walking on screen next to Shazam and Freddy at the lunch table. And because of all their contract dispute bullshit, they couldn't get Henry to do it. And so he's cropped off at the neck. Ah. So Superman is in the movie with a body double. So the fact that they did this whole scene making fun of themselves really killed me. I was laughing pretty hard at this. Uh, okay, that was completely lost on me. I was just like... Yeah. At first, I thought, well, that, I was like, they can't actually be on a date. So, but they're really going out of their way to not show her face. Yeah. This is weird. <laughs> well, I, yeah, it was to me very funny. I almost told you, like, hey, watch this scene before you go watch the movie. But I was also sort of like, I'm sure we've talked about it at some point. Like, I, no. I don't know, whatever. No, no. So, so does that mean, is that why the Black Adam ending was an even bigger coup that he actually got Henry Cavill this time? It actually was. Be- it was because they couldn't get him for Shazam. Um, so he should have said at the end of Black Adam, wow, this is almost as exciting as that time I met Billy Batson in the cafeteria. <laughs> um, so yeah, they also never show her face. Voice, anyway. They never show her face and the scene's going on. He's just talking and talking, digging himself a hole. And he finally moves in for a kiss. And as the camera turns to show her face, it's the wizard's face superimposed on her perfect hair and body. And it is fucking hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> that That's a good gag. It's Barry's warning from BVS. And he's like, it's Lois. She's the key, right? But instead of all of us going, huh? it's actually genuinely funny. It's one of the funniest parts of the whole movie. And then Billy wakes up, much like Bruce. Uh, Oh, it was a dream. Cut back to the cafeteria. Freddie and Anne are complaining about their overbearing siblings. And uh, like, oh, you want to see the table where it all happened? Like, yeah, sure, that's awesome. And then Billy shows up. To warn him, saying, I got this vision. And soon he's telling the whole family about the daughters of Atlas, which was what the wizard came to talk about. Pedro reveals a massive hidden library in their lair, and which, by the way, is decorated like a dorm room in this movie. And I find it very yeah. funny because in the first one, the whole thing is ancient and, you know, mysterious and. Well, this uh, this movie suffers from a lot of what I complain about in other movies, where very few places feel like places. They all either feel like a set or a green screen room. And maybe if I had seen this set in the first movie, not covered in their Ninja Turtle shit, it would have <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't have felt so like that's foam. That big statue's foam. That thing they're sitting on is made of foam. It's like. It does have the, a turtle layer quality, doesn't it? Yeah, and not in a good way. It's good in the Turtles movie, and this, it's kind of silly. <laughs> but. There need to be more pinball machines in arcade games. The posters, and I don't know. The, the, the turtle layers feel like places. They feel like actual, like, oh, they, they went to that sewer, and they hung all that stuff up. That's cool. <laughs> this feels like a, it's foam everywhere. Yeah, I get that. Now, in this hidden library... Pedro introduces them to a magic pen that he's been calling Steve, 
which is funny enough where the like did that pen just wave uh yeah i think it did wait you call him steve he's he looked like a steve right which is funny because he's writing things to them communicating all along so he could tell them his name at any time yeah and that's another one of those jokes that's just i don't like it i mean his name is Steve. I named the pen Steve. That's like a bad Deadpool joke. Like Deadpool is a hilarious movie. Most of the jokes in that land, this is like that kind of humor, but just not as funny. Yeah. And the first time I watched it, I was really there for it. And the second time I watched it, all I'm thinking about is jotting down the plot for the show and keeping track of what's going on. And so as I'm watching it through that lens, mm. Uh, a lot of those things are not holding up. Like, I don't know that this is... I watched the first one again and again. I don't know how many times I'll watch the sequel. We'll see. But... I did, I want to say that this is another moment where I had my first, like, oh, this is actually cool, in that library set or that library scene. Just the way that library looked. And that actually, when you mentioned Harry Potter earlier, that that's funny because that's what the vibe I got from this scene of like, oh yeah, these are their powers are magical. Yeah, like they, a wizard gave them powers. They should be in some kind of interesting fantasy world. So this room and then also the hall of closet doors or whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, those sets were cool, and that's more of the movie I want with these characters. Like, there's a little more of that in the first one because that's where everything took place uh-huh. in 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 terms of him getting his powers, the villain getting his powers, and. The thing that's good about this movie is that it's not tied to the structure of an origin story. And uh-huh. so they get to go a lot wider and do a lot more shit. But it's a very well-told origin story. In the first one? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. I just think I would like these characters in a more fantasy-focused world. Like yeah. They get transported to another dimension, and then it's all weird shit, and they're kind of fish-out-of-water thing with that, or... Something because all the stuff in the world again, like I said, felt like um, a set. Yeah. So Steve points out the books that they need to read to learn about the daughters of Atlas. It turns out that the staff was forged by Atlas himself from the Tree of Life. And long story short, the wizard took control of it, he used it to exile and contain the powers of all the gods. Right, and. We flash back to Shazam snapping it over his knee in the first movie, which stopped Dr. Savannah. By breaking the staff, though, he unknowingly broke the barrier that had been containing the gods in other realms. And so that's how we met Hespira, Hesperia? Kellen Mirren. And Lucy Calypso. Luke. That joke is funny, though. The, and you just left it there? Yeah. Like the idea that they're surprised that he broke it. Well, you were there when he broke it, but that he left it there, that's funny. He's like, I gave you all magic fucking powers. I don't think yeah. you were complaining at the time, you know? <laughs> and um, actually, that's one of the best jokes in the first movie, too, which I won't ruin for you if you do go back and watch it. By I feel like we need to do the first movie. That's the end of this trilogy is watching the first movie. We saw Black Adam. We saw this. Out of and then Evan joins us, and we do Shazam. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. So they notice that this book shows three daughters of Atlas. And the third one being named Anthea. And you could see the instant recognition on Shazam's face. Oh, shit, Anne. So we cut to what's happening at the same time. Freddy brings Anne to the rooftop of the school. Reminded me of little Peter and MJ. 
sure. uh, Tom Holland version, uh, to meet his superhero alter ego. Like, hey, you you want you want to meet one of them? I could hook it up, you know. And Hesperia is it Hesper? Fucking Jesus Christ! So many characters. Hespira. 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 I'm trying. And Calypso show up and they blast Super Freddy. Like he just transformed. He's showing off a little bit. They show up, blast him with the staff, take his powers, turn him back into his teenage cripple self. And whoa, disabled. Kidding again. You look at me and you're like, why so dark? You're a disabled foster kid. You've got it all. It's in the Bible. Jesus healed the cripples. <laughs> I would use the bad. Bible for like clothing recommendations, food oh, stuff. Oh, got it. Yeah, no mixed fabrics. No. Um, so the teacher played by Diedrich Bader hears the commotion. He comes up to help because there's only one teacher in this school apparently. And Calypso whispers in his ear and he walks right off the roof to his death. We see genuine horror and shock on Freddy's face, and I'm very impressed with him. Like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. <laughs> yeah. No, that was really good. The fact that they went through with it, pushed him off the roof, and he splatted on the ground. We don't see it, but you hear it. Yeah, and you hear like, the sound. Yeah. She talks about him, like, bursting like a grape. I'm like, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. In this movie with Disney Channel jokes. Totally. Shazam flies in, but Anthea sees him coming and uses her Doctor Strange Inception powers to manipulate all the skyscrapers. And I don't really know how to describe what it is that she's doing. It looks fucking wild. And eventually he crashes into a building. When the Shazamily shows up, <laughs> I'm doing it's my good. best. I support it. There's so much fucking lingo for this movie. I'm trying to keep up and convert what my notes actually say into what's going to come <laughs> out of my mouth. But when uh, Hespera channels her Ian McKellen Magneto, she... Uh, carves out the roof they're standing on and flies them all up in the air as she's talking down to them. And I was, I was like, fucking major X-Men vibes right here. I love it. Yeah. And she's got Freddy and her sisters all on this little chunk of the rooftop, and they're flying away as they're forming this force field dome around the city. And so Shazam's flying after them, and then just as the dome closes that's when he would have caught them but he runs right into it and they have contained a great chunk of the city much like they were contained in another realm for all this time it's poetic tasty your own medicine sort of moment yeah they're stuck uh freddie wakes up in prison with a stranger finally coming face to face with the mythical wizard they realize very quickly who each other must be that's a fun scene with just the uh well why don't you cast a spell like him going through all this arcane bullshit that he knows, and the wizard's like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't do any of that stuff. Well, in the first movie, he is the superhero expert. Like when Billy first comes to the house, he's like when you come over to my house. I'm like, hey, check out all this new Batman shit I got. He's like, look, I got a real Batarang. And like, hey, check this out. I got a bullet that bounced off of Superman's chest. Here's the certificate of authenticity. I've got all these newspaper clippings from when Superman was on the front page. You know, like he's a nerd who knows all this shit. And he's like, if you had a superpower, what would it be? And like, he's that dude. So when, uh -huh. so when he gets powers, Billy comes to him as like, yo, help me figure this out. I don't know what any of this shit means. Mm -hmm. And so in this one, he's sort of like, well, you got to be able to do this and this and this. And he's just wrong, 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 which is... <laughs> A nice reversal. But 
The weird thing to me is they sort of do a Thor Ragnarok in that the wizard was pretty serious in the first movie and he's goofy as hell in alternating scenes. Like you mentioned the first scene, he's deadly serious and he's, you know, writhing in pain. And then in this one, he's like, oh, I gave my powers to children. You know, it's like Shredder in, in the second movie going, they're babies. <laughs> the, yes. And I think uh, I'm torn because I think it's bad. I think it's a symptom of this movie, like being too many things or not having enough focus in the tone. But I'm torn because I, my favorite joke is when he calls <laughs> Freddie Freeman Jeff the first time. Because that's, that's tossed out there. And like nobody in the theater laughed. And really? I laughed. I thought that was hilarious. And then they, they like run it into the ground a little bit later. But that first Jeff you know what? was so funny. Okay, so we just found a third running joke that is the same joke. I here's your name, which is not your name. Oh my god! And I, I, I think so little of you that I don't know your name. Joke. I can't believe that. And that's the funniest of them. Still Three. running to the ground, but that because they're just like running around that maze, and he just so casually he's something like, "Okay, Jeff, go over there." It's like <laughs> you just heard her say my full name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Steve the Pen writes a magic letter dictated by. Shazam. And when I say magic letter, they're talking about, oh, there's this ancient form where if you use this special parchment, it will turn into a bird and fly its way to the gods. And um, I think this is the funniest scene in the movie, aside from the uh, Wonder Woman wizard face. This scene where Bird shows up and Helen Mirren is playing this character <laughs> in a very serious scene where you know they're basically interrogating Freddie, and this bird flies up and she's like oh shit it's a message and starts reading verbatim what the, they were saying in the room which is yeah like i can't do it any justice by i like i can't try to recreate it but essentially instead of taking down all of what he wants the letter to say like a human transcription would be it's like if you were to do it with AI and it just takes everything that's heard in the room of like, oh yeah, Darla, let's open with that. That's a good line. That's a good Should idea. Should we do it like this? No, no, wait, don't say, not sincerely. Um, yours truly? No, not that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it's got every little edit, every person chiming in on their opinion on how it should be written. But again, you have a, a very serious actor reading it with a straight face and that's what, sells it for me yeah um probably my favorite joke in the movie that is a funny joke there's a funnier version of the same kind of joke uh, i think you should leave tim robinson's sketch show and it's a just a courtroom thing where they're they're like trying to get people on like you know um insider trading or something like that and so they're reading the transcripts of their text conversations but all of them just derail into talking about their one guy they work with and how stupid his fucking hat is <laughs> and he's in the courtroom breathe we need to unload our shares before then. Vincent, I'm on it. Bree, be discreet. Vincent, of course. Bree, oh my God, did you see Brian's hat? Vincent, oh fuck. Ha 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 ha. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, watch that show. That's good. It's funny. I just heard of that show earlier today for the first time. It's very strange and it's very funny. It's a show that you need to just watch like four episodes in a row. Don't stop at one. Just like let it wash over you get into the mood of it, the yeah, insanity yeah. of it. 
Watch a bunch of these, said the guy who didn't watch the first movie of this for free at home. One three-minute <laughs> sketch of that show is better than this movie. This wow. isn't a bad movie. It, that show is just, it's a good show. All right, so in between the dictation scene and the letter being read, Freddy resists Calypso's chaos powers and delivers another even more impressive performance, I think. He and the wizard, after all this, are thrown into the pit, as they call it, and attacked by a dragon in a scene that feels a bit like Return of the Jedi. I know, but as you're describing this scene, that's what I mean where I'm like, I mean, they had a goal, uh, had characters they were trying to make this movie about, but I'm like, I want a movie with Jamon Hantu as a wizard and that kid playing Freddie Freeman going on a magical adventure somewhere. And like, that was entertaining. They played off each other well. They played off the weirdness of the scene well. Yeah. Compared to Lucy Liu going, no, I will stop you. Yeah, I was saying this to uh, somebody else. I wanted a little bit of Oren Ishii from her that that mm -hmm. fucking I mean you can't obviously with the language but I was hoping for a little bit of that mean ass fucking energy and more controlled we got a little bit of it but it seemed like she was at a place a little bit in this movie she was trying to do the same thing Helen Mirren is doing and Helen Mirren is bringing like this whatever she has this gravitas and like stage experience or whatever she has and Lucy Liu doesn't have that so it doesn't work the same when she starts raising her voice and really getting into it, like like a Clayface from Harley Quinn. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Theatrical. You're right, because when, when she's like riding around over the city later <laughs> in the movie. Stupid and, dragon. Hey, fuck you. I mean, the I, dragon's cool, but I mean, that's the, her riding around on it shouting is stupid. Well, no, yeah, the, the, the vocal performance there, I was like, this is not menacing. This is not, I like the movie, but like you said about tone and, and we found about some of these running jokes... There's directorial choices here that are questionable. Sure. And you never know how much of it is meddling, too, especially off the yeah. coming off like a sleeper hit or whatever kind of hit the first one was. That people going, like, Come on, you know, we're having trouble with some of these other movies. A lot's riding on this one doing well. Uh, I think we need to add this. How about some more of these? Oh, I see what you did, but this needs more of this. I don't know, man. I don't think Warner Brothers would ever do that to one of their filmmakers. <laughs> But cutting back to the pit. The Warner Brothers are nice guys. Billy and Jeff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're, uh, but, uh, they're 300 years old. <laughs> the dragon is made of wood, which is weird. He lights up like Godzilla. He paralyzes his victims with fear and is generally fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, no, that, it is cool. Anne uses her powers to escape the dragon pit and lead them to safety. She sort of calls back to when Freddy saved her from the bullies who were really only there to kick his ass, but still, they were trying to hit on her and whatever. Yeah, and that he stood up to them, even though yeah. he was weak. And they set up two callbacks here. One with the, like, hero awkward poke on the chest, mm. which is stupid, but the, the better one is a bad version of Batman Begins. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Mm. he's like, I don't have my powers. I don't know what to do. Freddie says this. And Anthea looks at him and says, the most powerful thing about you is you. Right? Yeah. And then that comes full circle later when she loses her powers. By the way, of course, this is a spoiler show. It always fucking is, guys. 
that was pretty well done. But again, sort of a worse version of a Christopher Nolan. Be sure to read all first 300 issues of the Marvel, Captain Marvel (laughs) and the Marvel family so we don't ruin anything for you. It felt like a, a Christopher Nolan, maybe a David Goyer kind of a... I like that when he does what you're talking about later, when he he like resists the fear dragon or the fear of the dragon. Yeah. I thought that's so nice that they set this up earlier with him getting tortured by yep. them. And then they're like, oh, well, you're stronger than we thought. And because if he just did it, I'd be like, where did this come from? This came out of nowhere. But they had that little moment of him having internal strength and using that to push through the fear. I was like, that's, that's a really nice payoff. You know, a logical conclusion to this movie, not to get too far ahead, but would be to continue that thread and to kill off Billy and have Freddy who has exhibited enormous potential in this movie, mm. be the champion and the new leader. Yeah. Would people go see Adam Brody as a Shazam sidekick in his own movie? I don't think we're going to get another one of these either way, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> now, Shazam is sitting at an outdoor restaurant waiting for Hespira to show up and a like a passerby, this dude just goes... When are you going to fix this dome shit, man? And I audibly laughed at that one. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like we just leave all this magical superhero shit and then it's like, yo, you guys fucking up the city though, man. Like what? <laughs> what's going on? It's moist you're having lunch? Yeah, you're just sitting there having a sandwich? It's like, I got a plan. It's like, it looks like you're having a sandwich. <laughs> the Shazamily shows up to ambush and, uh, of course, this was part of the plan. So Calypso sneaks up behind them with the staff. She zaps. Pedro takes his powers. She didn't even really sneak up. They just, like, showed up facing one way. And she was just there. <laughs> it's got kind of a Power Rangers fight quality, doesn't it? Yeah, bad planning. <laughs> now, there's a really cool power we see in this scene where Hespera stops Eugene and Darla, I believe, in this like, remember when we first see Kylo Ren and he stops the blaster in the mid? Yeah. yeah like, yeah. fucking, she does like, that. These three movies are going to be the best Star Wars movies. I bet you <laughs> each one is going to be better than the one before it. Man. Fuck you. I, I really like those movies, but yes, we should have got more helmet on. Guys, you don't you don't understand. He's wearing a Kylo Ren outfit Evil. now. He changed out of his Shazam outfit. He's got a full Kylo Ren outfit. He's doing the thing like he's stopping a blaster bolt with his hand right now. Well, last week I was wearing my Kylo Ren t-shirt, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so she does this sort of to the super-powered Eugene and Darla, and you see them sort of do this weird blip. like They look like a hologram for a second or something. That was really cool. Then she's fighting with Shazam. She plays dead or knocked out and uses that to catch them unaware. So she, while she's laying there, uses her powers of the elements to tie up Mary and Darla and then take on Shazam herself. He does a very clever flash kind of move in this where she's like wadding up all the metal in the room and making this big fucking like snowball of death. She's like, my father was a god and you blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, did he have fucking super speed and switches their positions? And so she hits herself. And I was like, fuck, yeah. That was very, very clever. That was a cool usage of powers. It's always exciting in superhero movies or anything where someone has a special ability of, like, the writers coming up with an actual creative use for it. Yeah. And that's, like, the one in this movie. 
Well, and they used a couple moments because obviously Zachary Levi plays the whole thing really silly in both movies. And when Steve writes out like the powers, he's like the wisdom of solo man. And, you know, so there's there's kind of jokes at his expense, but we do see moments of it finally in this movie where he's actually using his intuition and um, making some, I guess, clever audibles and under nice, pressure. You point that out. The movie could have pointed that out. And that, that actually does show restraint that they didn't go like, yeah, Solomon. Like nobody says that or, you know. I think what gets me about, because you know me, I want to. Yeah, you want to like things. You want things to do well. You want them to work. Yeah, and I, th- I think what gets me is sort of like a Dark Knight Rises thing where it's like, oh, man, I love this scene. Oh, man, I love this scene. Oh, man, I love this scene. And then, like, the way the story comes together at the end and everything, you're like, that was fucking, oh. You know, and so a lot of people walk away just going, that was the worst fucking piece of shit. I hope everybody dies and has cancer. And you're like, wow, that's really extreme, guys. People Um, who aren't even involved in this movie. I just want everyone yeah, dying again. Yeah, it seems very hateful with the reactions I get. But for me, I'm like, oh, you did a thing that good. I want more of that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, yeah. when I'm seeing something that good, and then there's a thing that's like, eh, that joke is running at the ground. It makes me like, but you're the same people. You, it's the same movie. Like, can you trim yeah. it and execute on this level all the time? You know? Yeah, and maybe to say a thing that doesn't need to be said, but I will still say it. Is I mean. Two stars. <laughs> I will, yeah, one star. Bullshit. I'll never get this time of my life back. No, I mean, I, I'm always, I want to be honest with my criticisms. I'm not going to pull my punches. But, like, it's hard to do anything or make anything. A movie yeah. is, like, a huge, fantastic production with tons of people involved and so yeah. much money spent. And that anything gets made is wonderful. And that a thing gets made where a lot of it is good is wonderful. And this yeah. is, I think, I, I don't know what percentage of this is good and what percentage is bad, but there's a lot of good in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bad also, though. They take his spirit. I won't say anything's bad. It's just some stuff that's like, eh, to me. Boring. But um, they take Hespira, knocked out, whatever. <laughs> the door they use is a porta potty. There's a good gag of Lucy Lou fucking running up there just as the door closes and then rips it open again a second later and there's a dude taking a shit. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they lock her up in the lair. For some reason, now there's a prison in there. But <laughs> like Heath Ledger's Joker, she planned to get caught. We learned this right away. Yeah, and I thought they should have learned from this because there's a whole era of people going like, well, that was contrived that Joker did it, but it was cool because the movie was good and it worked. And then other people like aping that for their movies of going like, yeah, this whole thing was the villain's plan the whole time. So this is like 15 years later, and they still thought, because not only do I think that was bad, this is that where I was talking about where, like, you keep dancing around the setup. Like, the point is, they come to Philadelphia and introduce monsters. This yeah. is now, like, the third time where, oh, now they have the upper hand, and this is, like, you're just wasting time at this point. I'll tell you why it doesn't work for me. So she needed to get there to steal the golden apple to yeah. plant the tree of life, right? But here's the thing. Sure, I think I realized that in the scene where she takes the apple. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, but, which, yeah, they don't really explain. It just happens. And I I remember the first time they showed the apple when they were in the library earlier, I was like, 
did somebody not paint that thing all the way? Because I can <laughs> see the undercoat of gold. Why? You know, so anyway, my dumb ass going, did they not notice that? <laughs> you pushed your glasses up. You adjusted your fake muscles in your Shazam suit. You're like, what? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, the reason that, that this doesn't work for me is because the scene that we just talked about being so good wouldn't need to exist because if her plan was to get caught, she got caught. She was playing dead, remember? Yeah. She was ass out on the fucking ground. There's no reason then to <laughs> fight them again right after this. Like, there's no way that she wanted him to use fucking flash powers and knock herself out. You're, you're missing the point. We wouldn't get an awesome scene of two women slamming a 75-year-old woman into the ground and then another huge man picking that same 75-year-old woman up and slamming her into the ground again. I we'd, did we'd whisper, miss out on that. I did whisper to my wife when um, she was first attacking them in, in that, that scene when they're, they're underground and they're fighting down there in that basement. I said, uh, geriatric fight choreography <laughs> because she, she kind of like grabs one person by the, the cape or by the, the shoulder or something and then swings them into a wall. And then she grabs another one and swings the, her arm the other way around. And I was like, yeah. damn, they're really going for it in this scene. <laughs> I, I will do this scene, but just bring them to me and you do the rest. <laughs> I will move my arms. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that that was my only gripe with that. It, I, I agree with what you're saying that it it it's sort of. Um, I think Helen Mirren was too in a many movie steps. twenty years ago about old people getting naked, like old women posing naked for a calendar. Twenty years ago, she yeah. was playing an old woman getting naked. I mean, Christopher Lloyd was playing old <laughs> an old guy <laughs> in the eighties when, when he was like in his thirties or forties, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be me if I started acting now. They'd be like, yeah, we need a crazy old scientist. Like, all right. A really just like very decrepit old man. You're perfect for it. <laughs> and we, we, need a, we need an angry guy to be uh, ranting on a podcast. You'd be great. <laughs> a soda machine falls out of the sky and lands on you. That's like the, where the guy says, yeah, <laughs> get that guy. I think you're right, though, that it, it is a little convoluted. But yeah, what got me is like, well, if she wanted to get caught, she already got caught. There's no reason to fucking fake out of that if that's where she's going so at the same time she steals the uh, golden apple freddy and the wizard are escaping back to their realm they finally found their way out of the labyrinth you know and had kind of pointed them in the right direction and as they approach the door it opens and it's hespero with the fucking apple so they're, they're hiding and this is another joke that's stupid to me but is also really funny just them doing like their goofy American Pie 2 like oh we gotta hide quick hide behind the door oh my god that's a great reference <laughs> yeah the uh the like the that's a good scene. ancient wizard and the young boy are like oh my god oh we gotta move <laughs> over here yeah the, the ancient wizard and the young boy oh. like what kind of <laughs> dark fucking porn parody are you watching they made this movie I don't know the Shazamly is the, when the ancient wizard and the young boy were locked in the cell together, and the <laughs> oh, it's a it's a prison porn. <laughs> the Shazamly is searching each door portal thingy, as uh, they had mentioned earlier. I think it was Eugene was mapping them out and labeling the doors with what the fuck scary thing was behind them, and so they're going into each one trying to find where Hespira escaped to, and then Shazam was like, oh, this one smells like shit. <laughs> they're like, right, porta potty. There, there you go. And so 
as that would have been a funnier joke. This one smells like shit. Which is <laughs> maybe funny too blue, but they say shit once in the runtime, and then they say shitty twice in the mid credit scene. So they yeah. could have actually said, "Oh, this one smells like shit." I would and, I would have laughed out loud if they said that. Yeah, yeah, they could have. Now, as the daughters of Atlas deliberate planting this tree of life and knowingly bringing these monsters to Earth, Freddy clumsily steals back the apple and is heard. There's a funny scene of sort of like, is it an Austin Powers gag or something where they like they put on the James Bond music and he's like badly doing these rolls and tucks and like. Yes, I'm fairly certain it is. I think it's Austin Powers, but they do that sort of gag which is funny with Freddy because he's got a fucking crutch and a bum leg, you know? Um, and then he finally gets and steals the thing back and then knocks a bunch of shit over. Which, again, what is the tone of this movie? <laughs> um, and as, as he's caught, well, the Shazamly appears. They're all there. And Freddy grabs the staff, restores his powers, and they all just narrowly escape. Now, as they run through the door back into the lair... The dragon follows and bursts through the door, which is fucking great. And it cuts to the, their family home where Victor and Rosa are relaxing in bed like a Sunday afternoon or something. Everybody runs in, but aside from Pedro, whose powers were taken away, they're all in their superhero alter egos. Mm -hmm. And so they have no idea who the fuck is in their room talking to them right now, which makes a, a pretty funny gag. But they're basically like, there's a dragon coming. You gotta fucking get the fuck out of the house, you know. Well, and this is also maybe like an obvious joke, but another one that got a, an audible laugh for me was the oh, we gotta we gotta be honest with you. I gotta tell you, we're superheroes, and the Pedro's like, I'm gay, right? When because like, they say it all in unison, and that there's one person saying a different, yeah, yeah, and yeah. everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we know, buddy. He's like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Carry on with the story, which that is a holdover from the first movie, because um, there's. A scene where, um, without going into the whole thing, a strip club is involved. You know, the boys are like, wow. And Pedro is, just goes, nah, not my thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, restore the powers. Dragon bursts through, follows them. And they tell their parents, like, fucking get the fuck. You got to come with us. And then the dragon bursts through and destroys the whole house. Um, this is a scene which I realized... Two things. One, that Rosa is really doing it for me in this movie. <laughs> and uh, You just want a movie that's just all about her going about her daily life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing I noticed is that the dragon is in the house, but the house is not in the magical realm that the lair is in. How the fuck did he follow them because the whole thing in the first movie, they're like, how do you get out of here? He's like, I just got to think real hard about where I want to go. That's how he ended up in the strip club with everyone because uh -huh. they all like held on to him. And they're like, just think of anywhere else. He's like, okay. And that were, that's how he did it. Or he, mm. got, or he went home by doing that, right? But unless the dragon was physically touching them, could, there, nothing could the door they have gone through been straight to home and like it wasn't shut all the way and he got through? No, no, because the door was to the lair. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe not everything in this movie was thought out completely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so riding the dragon and wielding well, the staff. If only they had a couple more hours. 
You know, this movie is supposed to come out one year ago. I don't know if you know that, but through studio fuckery, it got delayed till November and got delayed again until March. So they've been sitting on this for a long time. Did Not this, that I did this ever... movie just come out? I know that's a strange question to Are ask. Are you but fucking with I, me? I asked because it feels like a movie that came out a long time ago. Yeah, because we were seeing ads for it a year and a half ago, maybe okay. two years ago. Yeah, it's five days old at this point of, of this recording. <laughs> this feels like a movie from the 90s, maybe. Yeah. Now, again, riding this dragon, wielding the staff, Calypso zaps Freddy again immediately when she gets to Earth. <laughs> fucking bam! I got you back. And uh, Mary grabs the apple, flies off into the sky, chased by the dragon, making some evasive moves, dodging, dodging, zapped herself. So fucking way the fuck up in the air, loses her powers, plummets. And we cut to the, the family and Rosa points her out in the sky and then Shazam turns and then it zooms in on her falling and then it close up on his face again as he like deliberates. Should I go for the apple? Should I go for Mary? And he looks at me and I look at him and he looks at me and I look at him and he has this uncomfortably long moment of pause before he eventually flies over and saves her. And then, of course, Lucy gets the apple, sort of like a, a member in the theatrical cut of Justice League when um, the mother box just, like, lands on the hood of a car and, like, Cyborg's dad, Silas, isn't in this scene at all in this version. They just cut him out. And so Steppenwolf just like, oh, yeah, it's just sitting here. No, I'll I just, don't remember that. I'll, I'll just take it. I'm just going to boom tube here and everyone just looks and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he took it. Darn it. It was, it was one of those for me where like, okay, you have still like half the team super powered. You're watching the, the person fall, the thing fall. Everyone can fly. Yeah, why don't two of you go or three maybe? Yeah, and they're just like, oh, well, that's, I mean, I guess she could fall and die and we could save everyone else. No, nah, I guess I'll go save her and just let the villain win. This scene actually highlights another thing that I don't like about the movie. And this scene in particular stands out. It can work in some movies, although in general I don't like it, where it's the artificial zooming. Yeah. As if like there's uh, somebody there with like a steady cam, you know, hand cam, like recording this there. And it just, a lot of the movie has that, but this scene in particular really stood out of like, I just, I don't like it. I think I want something a little more traditional. Shot. I will counter that by saying there are elements that Zack Snyder brought to Man of Steel and set the tone for the way action is done, whether it's the Wonder Woman movies, whether it's the Shazam movies, Black Adam, they all share those visual qualities to some extent. I don't like it. It's sort of just this universe. Yeah, I, I can see that. I just don't like it. It was one of many shots, like just literally the technical shot, the camera angle that like took me out of the movie for a moment. I was like, oh. Yeah. Calypso plants the whole apple in the ground <laughs> at a baseball stadium and the tree of life grows. It takes over everything, which serves the same purpose, though is, I guess, better than a trash ring in the sky, a la most movies like this. It's basically, they're like, can we just change the avatar a little bit here? Um, yeah, when I saw that, I thought, oh, God, this movie's doing this. Okay. 
I don't care anymore. But then it immediately won me back. And like, this is why this is my favorite chunk of the movie. Yeah. Just the vivid monster designs, both the designs of these monsters, like how terrifying they are. And they're actually interacting with the people in the world. Like when that manticore comes out and like spikes that lady in the head and yeah. then, or the back or whatever, and like tosses her into a building and yeah. like the Cyclops and the Banshees and all these, like that's the best stuff I've seen in any of these movies, better than like the hordes of whatever roaming around in any <laughs> of these other ones. Those are interesting. I get they're kind of like Greek monsters or whatever, but they were really, really cool. Well, it, it was great to me as well, because in the first movie, Dr. Savannah unleashes the seven deadly sins that are all personified versions of them. Uh-huh. The CGI looks really, really good, and they're gross, and they're scary, but there's also a little bit of a disconnect. Like, for whatever reason, they chose to let them speak, but their mouths don't move. Uh-huh. Like, their eyes light up, but their mouths don't move. And they so have the, mouths, and they don't move. Yeah, and so, I mean, they'll bite you and whatever, but like, it, yeah, it's, it's strange. And so there's, uh-huh. there's sort of a disconnect. And when I saw these monsters, and they even do that like music video shot where it like zooms in on the one dude's face like real quick um, <laughs> when they're first coming out and he's like, Rah! you know, <laughs> I was like, damn, these make the old monsters look quaint by comparison. Like these are fucking scary. They're bigger. They, yeah. the detail, like they're just, they, yeah, they're great. Well, and at the well, same tra- time, the whole city's being ripped apart by all these vines and, uh, you know, buildings coming down and, and the streets ripping apart like earthquakes, you know. And when we talk about like tone mismatch, I want more of that stuff. Yeah. You can still have like the goofy, funny stuff and have it be about teenagers, but maybe lay off some of the, the extra corniness stuff that I complained about and do more of this, more yeah. of like almost like um, horror comedy. Yeah. Like where the, it's, it's a little silly. It's not really as terrifying as it would be in reality, but like a little bit. But it's it would like, be terrifying, so play some of that. It's like maybe the earlier seasons of Stranger Things having that sort of, it's an 80s movie vibe, which means we can get real violent and uh, scary, and we can also have fun kid quips and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. It's hard to get the balance, but I mean, this movie has those things, so like you can yeah. do it. Yeah, I just, it's, a, it's like the, the teen kid stuff is too earnest or honest yeah for it to feel like those 80s movies that work that well i mentioned earlier there's another extra that gets a a a major close-up and some screen time here and it's when the uh the vines are fucking ripping apart the city and this girl is scampering trying to get away just aimlessly get as far away as fast as possible right and winds up getting backed up against some kind of vehicle and it's getting closer and closer and she's like panicked and screaming and hyperventilating and shit and then it stops just short of her and it's like, oh my God. And you actually kind of feel that relief with her mm-hmm. and then I swear it's the same girl when you see these sort of, Eggs where the monsters hatch, right? There's these moldy pumpkin looking fucking things and when they hatch the first one, she's, the manticore. she's standing there looking at it and when you see a thing come out of it, um, she does this great, like, no, no, <laughs> turns turns around. And I was like, man, they actually got some really good fucking extras in this movie. Yes, that stuff was effective. That's We needed more in the first hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes establishing this threat. Because now we're finally seeing it, and it is scary and like effective. Yeah. And I that, didn't have any been, inclination or worry that this was going to happen. Yeah, that could have been in the texts. 
you know? Like when they're reading about, oh, all the fucking powers and whatever, you know, if the tree of life is planted in the wrong place, then shit gets fucked up, you know? The, but the demons of yore will come loose and yeah. wreak hell upon earth. Or, but it's just like, no, the apple is a paperweight in the background. Excuse me, it was in the foreground. My bad. But <laughs> I said they didn't use they, the uh, the teen and kid stuff was too earnest. Actually, I mean the opposite of that. I think the teen and kid stuff, if um, it was more earnest, then it would work like the 80s stuff where like you have like Goonies or something like that where they have actual real kind of relationship stuff you believe, like yeah, kid issues. Because I will say the most, the two, the two most effective emotional scenes, and they were wasted because the movie doesn't use it enough, is both scenes when they're talking about him aging out of the foster system yeah, and having to... He thinks his family doesn't want him. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's always the kind of there throughout the movie, but just not used very well for how effective those brief scenes get. And it's funny because that kid who plays Billy Batson, he's the hero in some ways, but he's hardly in this movie. Yeah. And he gets those two scenes where he's like, man, you're, these are great. These are really good scenes. Yeah. I worried. In fact, there were, I can't even remember who now, but, you know, some of the cosplayers I follow, whatever, they get invited to these early screenings or these premieres. And I remember, uh, messaging somebody and being like hey just let me ask you this because my main concern from seeing the trailers is that the first one had a lot of heart and this seems like all flashy action comedy and maybe i hope they didn't forget that you know and a person was like yeah it's a little less of that this time yeah i feel Um, like without seeing the first one i feel like they forgot that I could see the the skill that brought it in the first one because it's there in those two moments, but yeah. I don't feel like that exists in much of this movie. I mean, you, you really feel for the kid in the first one because he was on this quest to find the mother who abandoned him. You know, that was a big part mm. of that story. And so even in the beginning of this movie when he tries to hold a meeting and everybody fucks off and he's sitting there with Mary and she's like, look, man, like I want to go to college. I want to get a job and contribute to society. I want to fucking whatever. And you know, Freddie wants his own life too. And like, it's okay that people are going to move on. It doesn't mean they don't care about you. And I'm sitting here going like, it's a fucking story of my life, man. Everybody fucking moves on. You know, I like, I, I get where he's coming from so much with that, but they, they're so concerned with all this like weird Greek mythology and this other stuff that they, they just forget that and then come back to it at the very end. Yeah. It needs more focus. It needs more focus around those elements that work. You can still have kind of the same movie, but like lean on that a little more because that's what made yeah. me feel something. I don't care about Dietrich Bader getting knocked off the roof besides the <laughs> fact that it's awesome, but I don't care about him at all. All right, so let's get back to the story here. Anne tells Freddie that the tree of life should be a thing of beauty in her world and that here it's... An abomination. She's going to talk to her sisters, try to talk them down from this shit. And the wizard gives Billy a pep talk, saying, you know what? The way you've shared your power with your family proves that you were the right choice because you're saying essentially anyone can be deserving of this. You know, I spent all this time trying to find a champion and and you've proven that like anyone can step up and do it. And it's sort of the... The Dark Knight Rises like anyone can wear the mask kind of sentiment. Actually, no, Shazam, Wizard Shazam, you should have given it to Bruce Wayne. (laughs) That's the the correct person to give the power Shazam to in this universe. (laughs) You fucking idiot. Actually, maybe not in this universe because he was murdering people. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, but but really, though, if he had done it sooner, a younger Bruce... 
A younger you Bruce him, Wayne. Why don't you let Superman also be the wizard, the Captain Marvel? That'd be <laughs> yeah, great. He'd be yeah. unstoppable. Yeah, there you go. Wonder it, Woman. It'd be like how they had the, the BVS. It was the Batman and Superman logo, you know, mixed yeah. into each other. It'd just be the Superman logo with the lightning bolt behind it, like the Flash. Fuck unstoppable. Yeah, dude. Unstoppable force Fuck for yeah. good. And everyone gets Henry Cavill, so we're so, we're, everyone's happy, yeah. you know? But you give it to a teenager, you fucking moron. But there is a great heartfelt moment here where as... You know, Shazam's about to fly off. You know, the wizard says this nice thing to him. Rosa, the mom, steps up and says, hey, can I see you for the Billy I know just before you run off into this dangerous situation? She's like, I'm proud of you and all this. And they both get a little teary-eyed. And he says, like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I understand if you if I have to leave or... Yeah, because he's talking about aging out and not getting, yeah. you know, the government checks to take care of all those people and... You know, like, I, I get it if, if I'm a burden or whatever. And she's like, no, you could never be. And, you know, we're she, your family. And, he calls her mom, yeah, and that's, which that's, is nice. That's the key because earlier in the movie, I think the first time we see the parents, everyone goes, bye, mom. And he goes, bye, Rosa. And Victor kind of, like, puts his hand on her shoulder, like, just give him time. He'll come around. Like, in the first movie, he gets thrust into their weird family dynamic and everyone's all all family and gung-ho and he's like fuck everyone i've ever met uh, and so to see him finally say that and call her mom is a big moment being raised by my stepdad you know it's been 35 years that i've known him and i i still call him steve <laughs> so he's doing well, better than, he's doing better than me um <laughs> well you're no hero that was very nice i'm no hero no Wow, now I want to listen to the song from the second Offspring album entitled No Hero. Take a quick break. Anne has uh, some sort of a Superman Zod debate, basically saying, like, we were meant to restore our world, not to destroy this one. I like the sentiment here. Hespira tries to intervene. She's coming around to this as well. Like, yo, Calypso's going too far, but Calypso uses the dragon to kill her from behind. They're facing each other, and then the dragon fucking impales her. Which is awesome. I was like, this is such a good death scene. Yeah. Helen Mirren sold that. Like, just... Uh, 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 and then like, Yeah. Just, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. But this same... T the conflict between them, like, the conflict is set up, but something about it just... It doesn't matter. Empty. Yeah. yeah, like and maybe it's Lucy Liu. Sorry, Lucy Liu. Or maybe it's the one who played Anne. I mean, she's not. She doesn't have the benefit of age, as far as like acting experience goes. And she wasn't bad, but maybe it's when you cast two other actors against Helen Mirren, like they need to be of at a similar level to make those scenes work. I think it's partially just the context, because I've said this a lot of times, but personal stakes will always mean more to me than save the world. You know. Mm -hmm. And this is a you know big crazy fucking all this shit going on, and unless you're Robert Downey Jr. or something like, it's very hard to make this feel that emotional. You know, it's like it just uh -huh. fucking is. But yeah, she had a good death scene, and immediately afterward, Calypso turns with the staff to blast Anne. You know, like all right, I'm taking out both of my traitor ass sisters. I'm taking this bitch. We see crazy inception powers. All these buildings block the blast, you know. And then Anne standing there in a totally different part of the city, like, whew, dodge that. And as she takes a quick breath, 
We see the fucking blast come through the building and hit her anyway, and I fucking love that. Yeah, that was really cool. I liked that a lot, too. Both visually it was cool, but also it was a neat little psych out, like, oh, she's safe, and then nope. Yeah, and so we got one sister dead, one with no powers, and then the unpowered Shazamly, everyone's just the kids, they're in the van with their parents, they're dodging monsters in the streets in the little yellow van thing that he's got, that Victor drives. Darla asks Steve, what do these monsters fear? And it says, the king of all beasts. It's like, a lion? A tiger? And the wizard's like, the unicorn. <laughs> and this is another great part of the movie where an evil unicorn is spawned down a dark alley and Darla befriends it by feeding it Skittles. The closest thing they have to ambrosia. Yes, the nectar of the gods. A moment later... She's riding this evil unicorn, leading a stampede of evil unicorns with her family, saying, taste the rainbow, motherfucker. And it like cuts right on the f- And that, that was really good. I laughed so hard. Like that's the funniest individual joke of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. I remember walking out of the theater going, Darla saying taste the rainbow, motherfucker is because she's always the innocent one who would never tell a lie or never do anything wrong and so to have her be the one to say it is extra funny to me i noticed a lot more the second viewing the wayne's world amount of gratuitous product placement in this they have the skittles right there right but there's an earlier scene in the library where i think it's eugene or pedro somebody is actually eating a bag of skittles in the background (laughs) um hespira is reading the letter and the bad dictation gag She's like, ooh, do they have Gatorade? Uh, somebody give me a red or something like that. You know, Again, watching it the second time, there's a scene of Mary drinking red Gatorade in the background, two in a row swigs, not even enough time to swallow in between them, in the library again. And so like all the product placement shit, it's, like, it's funny the way they used it, but the fact that they used it multiple times i'm like okay guys all right we get it yeah yeah it's excessive but you gotta pay for that cgi um (laughs) i will say also in the evil unicorn reveal um when he first comes out he looks all mean and she throws the skittles and he likes it he rears back on his hind legs and he cries out into the sky some big animal sound right and when it cuts back the young darla actor is is fantastic she has this r- real look of awe and wonder, like the first Jurassic Park movie when they first see the dinosaurs. I want to <laughs> shout out Faith Herman for that. That was really, really nice, the way that she reacted to seeing. Because, you know, before she's like, oh, I love unicorns. And the wizard's uh-huh. like, the unicorn does not love you, you know. <laughs> oh, you mean she has like a uh, Dr. Grant and Ellie moment when they see the brontosaurus for the first time? Kind of like Yes, that. exactly. Oh. Yeah, she really, uh, you know, had one of those, uh, like, take your breath away sort of moments of actually like, oh, my God, my dreams have come true, you know? So the dragon blasts Shazam out of the sky. And there's a, uh, the clip. So, of, so anyway, I start blasting. <laughs> the, uh, the clip of him sliding un- underneath all the cars and hitting the trash can and being on fire and stuff was used in the trailer, juxtaposed with the... Uh, therapy scene in the beginning and it works well in the movie i thought it was kind of dumb in the trailer but i liked it in the movie a lot yeah and there's some onlookers 
there was the guy earlier that was like, what are you going to do about the fucking dome, you know? But then there's another guy was like, hey, Captain Marvel. And I was like, oh, they fucking said it. Yeah. But what I didn't know, and maybe you do, do you know who that guy is? That's the original Captain Marvel. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a TV show of Captain Marvel. No, I didn't. I'm just, I made that up. It <laughs> is. <laughs> that was, oh, wow. It is. Oh, that's funny. Good guess. Um, I like that. That was a very funny joke to me, too. Just like all those extras saying that there and him. Just the perfect mood, perfect tone. He's hey, even Mr. Thunderbolt. Yeah. And he's wearing red and yellow, too. Like, uh, it's perfect. Oh, it's probably like the outfit Billy Batson wears in the comics. <laughs> yeah. Shazam finds Hespira's body and he shocks it back to life with his lightning powers. He's like, clear. <laughs> and strangely enough, when she dies for real later, her body turns to ash like the wizards had. I guess once the plot doesn't need you anymore, <laughs> you're allowed to fade away. Then you can Luke Skywalker the fuck out of here. <laughs> Anne and Freddy confront Calypso and the dragon and they actually resist his fear paralysis that's coming out of the dragon's breath, you know, for an impressive amount of time while Shazam steals the staff. It was done just like when Freddy took it and got his powers back earlier. It's a major look gag. Which I liked. That was funny. They both are very effective. But in this moment, I was like, why didn't he give Freddy powers right then? Yeah. Just yeah. a quick, like, hey, Shazam. And he takes the staff, leads them off on a dragon chase, where Hespira, with her dying breath practically, shrinks the force field. And so Calypso doesn't, <laughs> I'm like fucking Lucy Lou, Lucy Lou, Lucy Lou, Calypso doesn't see this happening. She's just chasing Shazam, who has the staff now. At the same time, um, he's leading back to the Tree of Life, and this force field dome thing is shrinking down to the size of just them. So now nobody is affected by anything that happens except the two of them in this face-off. Now, for some reason, while the dragon is trying to blast through, you know, like, oh, you fucking trapped me, you know, like basically the equivalent of pounding on the glass. Uh -huh. He's breathing fire on it, whatever. Giving Shazam the upper hand because she's facing the fucking other direction. Um, he sees his family pull up to the edge of the dome in their van and decides to stop and talk to them for a while. <laughs> in the middle of this important battle. Which I agree death. that there's an emotional thread to this scene that's important. But Jesus Christ, I was like, you're going to, wow, you're really just going to, we're going to take five minutes here in the middle of this. That's an exaggeration. It's probably not that long, but like, it, like, it's too oh, long. look, 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 you got the fucking, take the shot, buddy. Take the yeah. shot. Save the day. It's like, nah, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a nice little encapsulation of like the problems with this movie in general, just taking too long and too complex of a route to get to a point. Yes. Uh, he says something to the effect of, look, this is what has to be done. All my family gets to live and no one else gets hurt. Basically saying he's learned that he's held them too tightly. And by sacrificing himself, they can be free to live their lives in the way that they want to. So it's a less effective version of BVS, the doomsday fight. Cal and Lois have this type of conversation where she's like, you know, you can't, you know, you'll die, right? 
well, why is he there? Well, he's gone to get the spear that you need to kill the fucking monster. Meanwhile, Shazam is just like, hi. <laughs> I just needed a Gatorade break from this fight. You know, it occurs in the same way, but without the purpose. There's no utility for him, for him to stop. Stepping away. Yeah. You know, that's what got me. Shazam fights through the, uh, the fear powers of the dragon and uppercuts him a couple times. That was cool. Fucking shots look so cool here. That's some of the best, like, superhero in this movie. Some of the best superhero motion. Dude, every fucking shot of that dragon is, like, boner time for me. Like, if yeah. that's the coolest looking shit. Again, he lights up like fucking Godzilla, man. Like, he looks so yeah. good. I want to get that on a 4K disc and just fucking jack off to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening, Warner Brothers? Yeah, physical media give, all the give way. Give the fans what they want. <laughs> so, uh, delete that joke. <laughs> <laughs> but leave you saying delete that joke in. Sorry. Delete what joke? What are you talking about? A anytime I say that or hear someone else say that, wind down the sentence and then add the word that they forgot to say. I always think of Beavis and Butthead. Johnson, you're a federal agent. Never end a sentence with a preposition. Oh, uh, you know that guy in whose camper they, I, I mean, that guy off in whose camper they were whacking. That's better. <laughs> Fucking Beavis and Butthead, man, they'll teach you things. <laughs> so yeah, Shazam fights through this. He's blasting the dome with lightning to uh, overcharge the staff. They talked about how it's basically like a battery and that you could just overload it and it would explode. So it does and it kills himself and the dragon and Calypso in the process. It's another nitpicky thing to me because that staff was like contained the power of all of them and his lightning bolts overload it. It contains the power of all the gods. Well, no, because he was blasting the staff. So it's the staff's power. That's not just him doing his fucking lightning thing. But the thing is, it looks exactly the same. So like, what? It holds the power of all the gods. He, I don't understand how he could overload it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just um, one of those, like, they say it, and you're like, okay, I guess that's it. Exactly. Oh, you're going to overload it like a battery? Okay. Again, this movie, like, first time, just turn off brain, eat popcorn, laugh, have fun. Fuck yeah. Second time, I'm like, hmm, these Drink six beers. Problems. Go to sleep. <laughs> um, so all gods, monsters, unicorns, and the dragon dissolve like Infinity War. And then, again... Like BVS, the family rushes over to find Billy's body. His face is visibly scarred from the lightning, this regular-ass teenage Billy, and he's completely unresponsive. So again, like this climax is structured a lot like another movie in this universe. And then Freddy runs up to him, crying, and has a big vein in his forehead, and he says, Only posers die, you asshole, or something like that. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Bob. There you go. There's a lot of snot going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the wizard says that Billy should be laid to rest like a god, and we cut to the burial. And for me, like I said, it kind of a Dark Knight Rises moment. I was like, fucking A, they just killed the hero. Like, goddamn. And I, <sighs> I had the same thought. I was like, wow, that's pretty, 
because that death scene was really good. And I'm like, well, you can't bring him back. That actor doesn't put all that work in on a death scene for you to just bring him back. And yeah. then, so when they go to the next scene and he's buried, I'm like, okay, that was cool. But then also they're going to like grow him like a tree or something and he's going to come back. He's going to be baby Groot. Or, and, <laughs> you know, like, all right. Well, it'll be the end of BBS where you see the, the dirt rise off the coffin yeah. for a split second. Yeah. You know, They had their cake and they ate it too, I guess. Yes. And one thing I like here is on the mound of dirt, there is the lightning bolt drawn in the sand. They drew the Flash logo in the ground. <laughs> but yeah, which is... Is like the X over Logan at the end of that movie, which I really appreciated. Basically, um, <laughs> the second time I'm like, oh, this is like that movie. Oh, this is like that movie. Oh, this is like that movie. Now I want to watch Logan. <laughs> it's, it's a much better film. Um, Darla asks the wizard, can't the staff bring him back? He's still holding this fucking charred stump, and he's like, the staff has been drained of its powers without... Any gods left to restore it, and then cue the best fucking cameo in the whole DCEU, in my opinion. We hear the fucking theme song from the best musical cue in this whole universe, and see uh, Diana say fucking, uh, yeah, that's how she said it, fucking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you fucking idiots. What's going on here? Where she, She's like. Not all the gods. God spark. <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, not all the gods or something like that. They had an emotional send-off for Billy, right? So they got me where they want me, and then they show her, and they play the music, and they play her very maternal, like Alanis in Dogma. Mm. They've got the glowing light behind her. And yeah, she's, the backlit, and she's yeah. like having a, a warm, knowing look on her face. And yeah, and I'm fucking crying. I'm like, oh, my God. And well, um, I, could, I couldn't help but think because of that, and just because of the whole rest of the way the scene is shot, I was that like... That Sam is crying somewhere right now? <laughs> yeah, about something or other. No, that it was like she wasn't there with any of them. And I think she probably was, but it just because all... And it's like, I don't know, so much of it is just shot in a way where it's only her... Or like when you see her, it's only the back of someone else's head yeah. or vice versa. I'm like, oh, was she never here? Did they do this <laughs> somewhere else and just kind of cut it together? Hey, I mean, they shot the Nightmare Joker scene in Snyder's driveway. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wondered here. So, so Diana grabs the staff, restores its power. The tree of life grows back again. Not evil for some reason. Restores Anne's powers. It's not in the evil realm of man. The corrupted realm of man. Oh, right, right. You're right, because they're in the fucking God realm or whatever. And um, the fucking God realm or whatever, I believe, is the technical term from the comics. <laughs> so you have read Shazam. I have, yeah, yeah. But Shazam climbs out of the grave in Shazam form. And I wondered, if there's another one of these, will Billy be horribly disfigured from the scars. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he comes out. He's like, you fucking buried me in 10 seconds? What the fuck? You know? And, and then he sees Wonder Woman who he's been uh, not only dreaming about earlier, but he's mentioned her several times and is all like fawning over her. Stick to saving the world, kid. From your favorite character, the mom going like, what is it with our boys and older women? Yeah, I'm like, hmm, a bunch of orphans, I wonder. Yeah. But uh, no, I won't say it. Um, now we, I gotta say it. I gotta say it. I gotta say it. Yeah, go for it. All right. So I saw this movie, the earliest that a human being could possibly get tickets to see this movie. A Thursday the, night at midnight. The Thursday night premiere, right? Three days earlier, I believe, 
or no, it was the Tuesday night premiere, the Hollywood premiere or whatever. This is exactly what Dwayne Johnson did on the red carpet where he's like, yeah, man, we had to get Henry Cavill back in the suit, man. It feels good. And I was like, bitch, I have tickets for this movie in two days. Why are you saying this right now? You fucking son of a bitch. And then you're watching the whole movie and you're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then the movie ends and you're like fucking post credits. And then he shows up and you fucking, yeah, I knew it. It was cool, but I fucking knew it. And it's the same thing they did with Snyder Cut. They got Jared Leto up and all the fucking shit. And then you're three and a half hours into the movie going, well, where is it? And then it's fucking tacked on at the end. They got Darkseid in the fucking trailer. And you're like, where the fuck is he? Three and a half hours into the movie. Oh, he shows up. God damn it. So just give me a second to fucking rant here because Tuesday before Fury of the Gods comes out. Guys, he turned my mic off. <laughs> I'm avoiding my Batman account. On Instagram, I'm on my main regular ass account. I follow a lot of rappers on there. I'm a rapper. The first thing that comes up is from Eminem. And for whatever reason, it's a 13 second ad of Shazam. And the ad is about one and a half seconds of Diana's boot from behind when they first show her. And then cuts to her saying that last line. As she walks away from them, you see her fucking face. You see her fucking face. The movie isn't out yet, and you see her fucking face. And again, this is on a different kind of account that you would not think I shouldn't follow this account if I don't want spoilers for the fucking movie. This is them going, I should stop following Eminem so I don't get yeah, <laughs> right? movie They're spoilers. Like, this is the studio going, well, goddamn, guys, uh, I don't think anybody's going to go see this this weekend. Um, you know, fuck the people who bought the tickets. Let's see if we can get, you know, 1% more by showing them Gal Gadot. Like, fuck you. Stop. Like, every example I just gave is spoiling the end of the fucking movie that should be a fucking awesome elation moment in the theater going, oh, my God, did you know they were going to fucking give us Dark Side? Like, yeah. I was fucking furious. Now, I will say, it occurred to me multiple times watching this movie that I'm like, oh, well, here, they're talking about gods and whatever. I'm like, all right, fucking Diana's going to show. Oh, no. She didn't. Okay. Then an hour later, oh, I bet Diana's going to. Nope. Weird. Okay. And then when it finally happens, I was genuinely so caught up in his death that I forgot about it for a moment. And that's when they give it. And so I will give them the credit that it was well done in the film. Filmmakers, bravo. I shed a tear, but the fucking marketing, god damn it, guys. You're fucking up the people who are paying to see it opening night. They could have done it in a way that was actually funny and messed with people or have the tease be the shot of her in his dream. Exactly. Because then when that, that scene that? came up, you'd be like, oh, you were faking me out, and then you'd forget about it. Exactly, man. Yeah. And but, so, yeah, again, like you see her fucking face. That's what killed me. The other thing is on Monday, so yesterday, as of when we're recording this, Monday, McFarlane Toys plasters everywhere the Wonder Woman figure from Fury of the Gods. I'm like, <laughs> you guys just do not give a fuck about well, your fans. No uh, faith in this movie at this point. I know, but like, do you even care? Like, God, maybe somebody had plans that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have to unfollow fucking everyone? Jesus I don't know. Christ. It's, 
It's a decent ending because it fits within the mythology of the universe to have her bring him back to life. And it's not nearly as bad as those other ones that I complained about, particularly the the future ending with the Joker in it and all that. Yeah. But it is like the more like, I don't know, confident movie or whatever movie ends with him dying. Yes. And Which then like and is then what you mocked Jeff me for becomes saying the new Shazam. Before, but yes, Jeff, good joke. <laughs> I mocked you for saying what? <laughs> the Batman should die and rises. But that's exactly what I mean. Like a more confident decision would be I'm sorry that I said that. I should have mocked you for something <laughs> else because I agree with you there. Thinking back. Rant aside, the very end of the movie here, we cut to the unpowered family at family dinner. The house is being rebuilt. Anthea is there with everybody. The wizard knocks on the door. He's all fucking trimmed up and stylish and, you know, assimilated, looking very American and shit. Because he was like just wearing a fucking robe the whole time. Well, again, this feels very much like, you know, I know we're not going to get to make more of these. So let's <laughs> tie up everyone's story and like, oh, the wizard is going to live his best life with his new clothes in America. <laughs> yeah. And he takes back the staff for safekeeping. They do not invite him to the table because he quickly says, I have an Uber waiting. And both he and Anne separately seem to be content to just exist on Earth and chill. They've had hard lives, <laughs> it seems like. The last line, Billy asks the wizard, what's my superhero name? This is the exact same ending as Black Adam. And holding the staff, holding the staff, the wizard says, Shazam. And that's the end of the movie. So again, just like Teth Adam, Teth Adam, Teth Adam, and then my name is, and they put Black Adam on the screen. It's the same way they end this movie, which doesn't bother me, except that again, he's holding the staff and he says it and nothing happens. He's holding the staff. I don't know how many more times I could say it. He's holding the fucking staff. No, no, and the staff has AI. It's AI powered. It knows like Shazam. It you're says not trying Shazam. To catch a spell right now. In his hands, he says Shazam, and it's in his. He's holding the staff, guys. <laughs> the entire two films is predicated on the fact that if you hold the staff and say that one word, lightning shoots down and something big happens. Shit's about to happen. My God, that is an egregious error well, holy it's, shit it's funny because it um one of my criticisms that i'll just say now is that like again where scenes don't feel like they're taking place in an actual place they just feel like weird green scene sets yeah a lot of it makes me and i, I don't know if i've compared other movies we've watched to this but it holds here it reminds me of like the mortal Kombat film which that movie is great but it's also a borderline garbage movie from the 90s and so, as you said that, it just made me think of Raiden at the end of Mortal Kombat when he's like, I don't think so, and like shoots lightning out of his hands or his eyes or something. That's what, I want Shazam to say that, Shazam, and then lightning shoots out of his face or, or, <laughs> or his fingertips or something. Yeah, yeah, very strange. And honestly, because they go for that silly Marvel kind of humor, there's a fucking crocheted sign that's like no shazamming in the house. You know, there's a running joke about, is that why lightning keeps striking the house and all this stuff, right? How funny would it be they're in the house that's being rebuilt, the wizard shows up out of nowhere, grabs the fucking staff, what's my name? Oh, by the way, I'm holding it and I'm not thinking of it and I say, shazam, and it shoots a fucking th thing through the roof and then the parents go, oh, God, and then it cuts. It cuts to the, the title. Yeah, that would have been much better. 
fucking, I just pulled that out of my ass, guys. Come on, man. Like, I'm not a fan of studio meddling, edits and reshoots, and all that kind of shit. However, if your movie's going to be delayed that fucking much, you have plenty of time to sit on it and be like, man, did we get it just right? Yeah. And I feel... The, the answer is no. It feels <laughs> like there's so much good stuff in this movie, but it's an almost it's like it's like a rough draft that's one or two cuts away from like fuck yeah you know mm. so i don't have any easter eggs i don't expect you do since you couldn't take notes in there no i was just talking aloud to the people next to me <laughs> hey do you think that's the original captain marvel <laughs> hey don't ignore me hey pros what do you have here all that monster design that monster design was really cool yeah the fantasy elements Besides a lot of the fantasy stuff overlaid over the city, which I didn't like too much, besides the monsters, I like that world that we only see bits of. The library and... The fantasy of the wizard locked up with the young boy? Yes. Yes. Oh, no, sorry. You meant something else. No, no, that's not what I meant. That's what you said is what I meant. Okay, okay. (laughs) One thing that I liked, they don't lean into it as much, but um, the fact that we get it more than the first movie, the first one was based on... Shazam by Jeff Johns and I believe Gary Frank very closely. Oh, the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh And then like one or two years ago, he put out a sequel and it's called Shazam and the Seven Magic Lands. And it's a really fun book. Like it's thick and like the characters get split up and Mm. sent through the doors to all these fucking crazy places and some of them look nice and friendly and are evil and some of them are the opposite and like they're stuck in those worlds and so each one of those has its own arc and it's fucking cool because nothing looks the same everything's wild each member of the shazamily yeah and we get little bits of oh cool now they're in other realms and dimensions and shit and like Mm. you know the kind of like doctor strange multiverse stuff that we're getting a little bit accustomed to now of like, oh, cool, yeah, we're seeing some other things. And I would have liked to see more than just like a big stone altar thing that the, you know, the Daughters of Atlas are sitting at, you know, that looks more or less like the Rock of Eternity, but in Themyscira or something. It looks like a, a Mortal Kombat set. It yeah. It's like, like a big nothing in nowhere. I, but I like the more fantastic elements of this movie and i felt like okay they they did take some influence from the book but i would have liked even more of that like you mentioned the monsters like they were so good and what's the screen time like one minute yeah collective for a two hour ten minute runtime they're barely in it and they're fucking badass like and that's what makes you feel something of the threat and i don't think you should repeat because the first movie was one guy with, you know, seven monsters. So you don't want to necessarily do that over. But like, if you're going to unleash those fuckers, Ghostbusters it up. Let them fucking run around a while, you know? Yeah. Just as a, an aside about the character, and this would apply to the first one too, almost my entire relationship with Captain Marvel, besides reading the excellent Miracle Man, which is a, it's a, Alan Moore and maybe somebody else wrote it too. Just a really great like deconstruction of superheroes. Great. And I think related in some sense where like somebody had the copyright and then it expired. So they had to do this or whatever. 
But my relationship with the character of Captain Marvel is almost exclusively... Kingdom Come. Well, Kingdom Come, but then also just the way they use him and that they use him in everything, where it's like, Superman's a bad guy, so we need someone who can fight him. Oh, it's yeah. Shazam. Or Superman's a good guy, but we need someone who can fight him. Oh, it's a brainwashed Shazam. Like yeah. That's what I always see him as, is just like the the one guy who can take on Superman because he's magic-based. and mm-hmm. So seeing him in his own world and a world that's like focused on a weird aspect of it, the fact that he's a boy is different. It's interesting to me. I know that's that's part of the success of the first movie. Yeah, and I think that that was how Jeff Johns did it versus how a lot of like Mark Wade and some of the other earlier versions were written where it's like he does have the wisdom of Solomon and he's this ancient god type. And then he trances back into a fucking 12-year-old or whatever versus in this, it's like, okay, but what if we gave a 12-year-old superpowers? Yeah, and just, had a really is the 12-year-old still. Yeah, and we had a really funny kind of immature-looking actor play him. Like, that would be great. And so I, I, I really do like that. I will add to the pros that it's visually stunning. I love the dragon. I love the monsters. I love a lot of the stuff. I think along with the new Ant-Man movie that these were both unfairly panned, you know, looks cheap or whatever. Like, I don't know when everyone became a fucking CGI aficionado, but like, I was so impressed by the visual effects in this movie. Can we go on to cons? Because my cons are the way this movie looks. <laughs> Exclusively. <laughs> it's not, and I don't mean to say I'm not like, I'm not a CG aficionado. And it's not so much that I'm like, even though I literally just said it's because these places look like they're nowhere, they're nothing. It's not because of the quality of the CG. It's just the overall design of these places. And it's something about the way it's just like actors in the foreground and then like everything else in the background that gives them this look of they're not actually anywhere. Yeah, and so I think you could say what's lacking is maybe set design, production design, things like that. I just don't even like the way they're shot. I don't like the shots of these guys flying around. Some of them are cool, like the fight with the dragon was cool, but a lot of them I just or, I don't or, like. Or flying with Anne's powers moving shit, manipulating it around. Them, I liked know? it more in Inception and Doctor Strange. <laughs> it, it doesn't right. look bad. And again, it's like, oh man, these skilled technicians made this. It's not Spider-Man No Way Home. I'll give it that. But it still mm. looks really cool, and it was the first time we saw her powers used. I don't know. If, I like if it. If I'd never seen a movie before, I'd be like, this is amazing. I, I want to watch more movies. But I've seen a lot of movies at this point. <laughs> so it doesn't... I've watched 95 movies this year. <laughs> That's insane. I, st- I started a letterbox for it. Well, and some of them days? are. How many days has this year been so far? Not that many, but uh, <laughs> some, some, I think it's probably been like 70 days or something, but like some of those are entire TV series. So, like, so it would be higher if it wasn't for that. But <laughs> I started a letterbox just so I could count. Get a life, you nerd. I'm going to go play one video game for 120 hours now. Bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what else you got for cons? Just all the tonal stuff I complained about. It's just weird. I feel like they needed to pick a lane more. And the lane I wanted is maybe a little darker, a little more of the horror stuff. And I guess then the third con is focus and direction. I don't mean direction necessarily like a director directing. I just mean the story needs a more deliberate path to it. Yeah. It just meanders so much, and that's why I was just really bored for the first part, for the first like two-thirds of it, really. Until the monsters come out, I was bored. <laughs> Not bored to well, death, but I was just great. kind of bored. <laughs> My biggest con is the ad campaign spoiler. You know, I had Iron Man and, what's her name, Black Widow's deaths spoiled for me 
on the day of that movie by a dickhead on the internet who wanted to be a dickhead, right? That's understandable. But this is now the third film in two years, almost to the day, that WB, in one way or another, has spoiled before the movie came out. It's very upsetting to me. This isn't really ad campaign, but when the last Spider-Man movie came out, that morning, I was going to go see it that night. I typed in YouTube. I just typed in like one thing, and the first autocomplete was a spoiler for that movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like on my way to work, starting the car. I'm like, oh, I'm going to put some whatever on it. You just typed S, and it's like, Spider-Man cameo revealed. Or something like that, yeah. Back to the film itself. Anne plays a great teenager and love interest to Freddy in the beginning and end of the movie. But I do not buy her as a daughter of Atlas. I do not buy her as a villain. In fact, the scene where she says, I'm 6,000 years old, plays exactly like when the same thing is basically said in Tim Allen's The Santa Claus, when they go to the North Pole and he's talking to a kid who's actually an elf who's fucking 800 years old or some shit. You're not intending it to be that dumb, but you're doing the same thing, and it's dumb. It is, um, yeah. It's a tonal mismatch. Like, we needed her age for the red herring, but I almost wish that she was something different entirely in this story. Maybe, again, just a stronger actor. She's not bad, but she is not enough. Well, she's just so out of place, though. You got, like, 50-year-old Lucy Liu. You got, what, 75-year-old Helen Mirren. Like, and then you got... 18-year-old, what's her name, Rachel Zegler or whatever, like, what? Like, you yeah. see the three of them sitting on their but fucking I, I thrones. I just think, like, Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning was, like, an amazing actor when she was 10. So, like, Dakota Fanning as an 18-year-old would have convinced me of this character more. Yeah, but I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with her... You just mean that she's young. Portrayal. For you. Yeah, like, just the juxtaposition is so fucking weird and, like... Just the way that she's so quickly revealed and most of the movie she's that and then switches back at the end. Like She's very charming and they had good chemistry and then like the whole rest of the time, it's weird you being here. Why are you yeah. here? Why are you dressed like that? This makes no sense. Yes. I don't like it. Moving on, Zachary Levi felt even less like he was playing the same character as Asher Angel in this movie in the first one there was the excitement and the confusion of like oh my god all this stuff's happening right and you could sort of read that from young billy too but young billy in this movie has mostly serious scenes this seems like a 40 year old man acting like a teenager and a teenager who has had to grow up real fast and yeah and those are different people yeah Yo, dog, I think we're going to get through this. All right, all right. Yeah, fam, for real. Yeah. How do you do, fellow kids? That is my cons. I ask now for your rating, sir. I, I do want to say, because we didn't talk about it, that the post-credits teaser just made me go, right. like, man, I love Peacemaker. I love those characters. That they were connected to this at all made me like this just a little more. I did not give a fuck that they were there. Uh, I know you like that show more than me, but I... It didn't do anything for me. It felt weird and disconnected. And then did. just today, an article came out that Zachary Levi shared that 
fucking Dwayne Johnson blocked them from using Black Adam and the Justice Society as recruiting him for the Justice Society. That's what the scene was written for. And they're like, oh, fucking, uh, 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 well, I guess send some of these assholes instead. Oh, I, I don't care. I think all that stuff is garbage anyway. So I think the idea of sending these two characters who, even though they, I guess, live in the same universe, their universe seems much bleaker and more cynical and weird that those people are now here recruiting him for this thing, but also they're not because they don't like him. He's a weirdo. And, and it's like, a, I, I liked it. I liked and it also like, Okay. I just like Peacemaker so much more than this movie. Let me differentiate here because I've seen a lot of comments of people saying like they're not going to see this or The Flash or Aquaman because, well, they just announced they're killing off this whole universe. What's the point? Like they're leading up to something that's never going to, like it's, it's not building toward anything. And to me, I, I'm sorry, that's the dumbest shit I ever fucking heard that you can't enjoy a movie because it doesn't lead to more movies, that's fucking asinine. It's the dumbest shit you've ever heard. There's, I've heard dumber shit. Than that, that. That's pretty fucking stupid in terms of reasoning. However, when you add a post-credit scene like this to a dead universe, now that is fucking stupid. No, I liked it for that exact reason. One, because I just think that's funny that it's like these two characters who, again, are much darker and more cynical than the, even the people in this world go to recruit him to this thing and like it's just not gonna work out i'm sorry but we also just know it's never gonna happen no this is to me this is so much better than the dark future apocalypse universe of Zack snyder's thing and that everyone like a lot of people loved that that was so cool to see that like this is so much better than that even you mentioning it i'm semi-hard right now <laughs> that's like that's designed to sell action figures, which I like action figures. Yeah. I like the action figures more than I like that scene. I have the hot toys of Nightmare Batman, and I have the yeah. the knockoff hot toys of the Nightmare Joker. Yeah, so I like this ending. All right. Well, I'm glad that we were able to switch places and have you be the positive one here. Did you see the other other post credits? The post post. No. I don't even remember what it was. That's how forgettable it was. Oh, you know what? Kind of like they did the um, cropped off Wonder Woman shots, making uh -huh. fun of the first movie with the cropped off Superman. They make fun of themselves because there's a post credit scene in Shazam where I think his name is Mr. Mind or whatever. He's the little worm guy. Uh -huh. Shows up in prison and he's like, I've fucking got plans for you and we're gonna blah 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 and it's like you know dun 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 to be continued right you know there was no mention of that this entire movie and like the whole first the whole first villain was just forgotten you know they mentioned uh -huh. I think one time in terms of breaking the staff and that's it and so the post credit scene in this movie is him sitting in his cell all like overgrown and bearded and the fucking worm shows up and he's like, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> and it's like, sorry, it takes me a long time to slither around like this. He's like, it's been years. Like, I think I'm making it sound funnier than it was. Because like... What you just said to me was very funny. I don't even know any of these characters you're the, talking about. The that's audience funny. is just like dead silent when it's happening. And I was just like... And then the lights came on slowly. And yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why would you even... Okay. But at least they're acknowledging like... Look, we had an idea for the sequel. We changed our minds. <laughs> <laughs>
Going back to the first one, let me just say, I would rather see those two characters than The Rock as Black Adam and even Henry Cavill Superman, who I like. If they showed up at the end, I'd be like, I don't care. Not because there's <laughs> not going to be more movies, because I don't care about them. You're talking like, about Harcourt and what's yeah. his name? I mean, I can't remember their name either, but Willoughby. Fucking uh, Brian Pesain Jr. <laughs> yeah, but leaving, even just ignoring Henry Cavill, The Rock showing up to recruit Shazam for the Justice Society, I don't care. I don't care if they were, if, even if they were going to make more movies, I don't care about that. Yeah, it just, it's shitty that not only did The Rock make goddamn sure that Black Adam wasn't the villain in the first Shazam movie because he didn't want to be defeated, that he would get his own movie. And then when he did, made such a big fucking, you know, dick stroking ego, you know, chest pumping like, oh, we're going to fucking, this is going to change everything, motherfucker. Like, oh my God. And then like brings back Superman tease like, oh yeah, we're going to face off me and Superman. And like, bitch, that's not your nemesis. Like your nemesis has a film that you removed yourself from. <laughs> what are you doing? And then like that fucking fails. Like we, oh yeah, they hired him back. Oh, and they fired him again. And like, okay, that didn't happen. Well, your movie tanked. They're never making another one of those. Okay, great. Well, at least we have the post credit scene where they finally face, oh, nope, he pulled the plug on that too. Goddamn, man, I was rooting for you, but you're really stepping in your own way. As long as I get some more hardcore, I don't care. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of what her character's name was also. Okay, yeah. Uh, to answer your earlier question, two and a half. <laughs> Even though I like this movie more than Black Adam, I give it, I think, the same rating. I, I, I dislike it more than I like it. It's funny, I like this movie a lot more. Like, I would put this on many more times than I would put on Black Adam. Like, I finally turned on HBO for the first time since it's been out on streaming. After I saw this on Thursday, I was like, fuck, yeah. And then I start watching it for about 20 minutes, and I was like, this isn't holding my attention. I'm going to bed. And I never stop a movie. I don't do that, uh, but I, I didn't even come back to it the next day, and I was fine with it. I was just like, yeah, you know, what on Black Adam, whatever. Yeah. And this movie, the first time I walked out, I was like, fucking... That's you walked out of this movie? <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, harsh. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I walked out In of the theater, suit. the theater after it was over, I was like, God damn, that's like, a, that's like a, a four and a half. You know, I had a good time. I really had a good time. I had had a shitty day, and I didn't think I was going to like it because I was in a bad mood. And uh, I watched it, and I was like, fuck, I'm excited. Like, that turned me around today. Like, I feel really good. Thank you, movie. And then I... Uh, watched it again and I was like boy when you put it in writing this movie has a lot of problems <laughs> but, but also watching a movie at least for me like I can't it's very rare that I could watch the same movie twice that quickly and not feel bad about it or worse about it the second time maybe you're not like that but I'm not because especially like a movie that maybe has a complicated plot like BVS like second time I saw it I liked it so much more because like oh fuck that's on your connecting the dots or yeah. a movie that has a twist like a memento, a fight club, something like that. When you, Signs. When you see it again. The Sixth Sense. You really like to bring up The Sixth Sense. It's a good movie. When you rewatch that, it's like seeing it from a totally new perspective, you know? And so every time we do a review of a new film in theaters, I always watch it two or three times before we cover it because I want to I wanna really understand it and what they were going for and and not just be like, well, the mood I was in at the time I saw it dictates how I feel about it. 
I'm in between because one, I don't want to watch a movie twice like that anyway. But also, I feel like there's something to be said for just your first reaction. And like what you did get or didn't get, even if it's influenced by your mood, that's a little bit their job as filmmakers is to take you out of your life and put you in their world. And so I think that's the way I like to look at it. I don't know if you know this, though, but I have obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> so yes, I know it. I can see the way your body is right now. I've really, got, <laughs> I've really got to unravel it before I feel like I can speak on it, especially if I'm leading the podcast down, the plot breakdown. I sure. feel like I have to understand really yeah. what... Just imagine, though, what doing. I've said about this movie. Imagine what I would have said about it if I watched it when I was really sick and then talk to you the next day about it while I was still pretty sick. <laughs> this movie would have been a one. Yeah, we delayed this. We delayed this podcast a bit because uh, Ben got sick, and uh, he said, "You know, I would do it, but I would be mean to the movie." <laughs> and you've heard me for the past six hours. We've been talking about this. You heard me. So imagine what it would have been like. Yeah, no, this was a good discussion. I, I I had a good time with it. I was happy to see it twice. Honestly, even for the issues that I think it has. To come back to what I was saying. I walked out the first time thinking like, damn, that was a solid four and a half. Stormed out. Like really. it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not perfect, but like I had a really good time. And then through a more ana analytical lens, I think it has a fair amount of problems. And I think maybe it's probably a technically three and a half, which I think is what I gave Black Adam. Very entertaining for what it is, but mm. not maybe the most rewatchable. So I will never watch either of these movies ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I will buy this on 4K. I did not <laughs> I did not buy Black Adam, but I've seen a couple used copies. I might I might scoop it if it's cheap enough. Cuz visually it's it, it is really cool watching fuck shit up. When I turned it on the other night, I was stunned that he's just like annihilating people and ripping their skeletons out of their bodies and stuff and there's like 10 minutes of no words. Yeah. It'd be a cool music video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The music like video. Like for like a long song. Yeah. Like one of those. <laughs> a, a really metal song. A Gajira yeah. video. That had of, like breaks. And there's no music. And then the music kicks back in like two minutes later. <laughs> it's just the next fight scene in the movie. Just yeah. fast forward. <laughs> All right. We talked for the length of that movie. Yep, we did. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bad Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warman. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am editing this down to the wire. It's supposed to come out at midnight. It's 11.58 p.m. We didn't get to record this until Tuesday night, and I've been working all week trying to edit this after work, and boy, we are under the gun. Is that what you say? Anyway, fuck it. There's no time. First take. We're keeping it. Thank you. Subscribe, follow, rating, all that shit. We will return with Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo's Nightwing leaping into the light. And eventually we'll work around to the original Shazam someday. All right. Thanks for listening. I'm out of here. Uploading now.